0: You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. I want you to stand and I want us to read the verse that is on the screen. Get that up, please, out of the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Now, the context of this Old Testament prophet was God was judging Israel, and Habakkuk was watching to see what God was going to do. And he was interceding and pleading with God for the future of the nation that he loves so very, very much. And at some point, Habakkuk said, I'm going to just sit here and I'm going to see what God says. And then in verse 2, this is what God said. Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. That's about clarity. Make it clear so that people who take the message have no doubt what the message is they're not confused about the vision they're not confused about the message verse 3 this vision is for a future time it describes the end and it will be fulfilled if it seems slow in coming wait patiently for it will surely take place it will not be delayed You can be seated. You know one of the hardest things you'll ever do with God is wait on him. We want God to do it now. I sometimes get amused when I'm praying and I wonder what God thinks when I say, God, I need you to do this right now. Because I know what that means when I say that to some of you. It means drop what you're doing, do it right now. But that's not the way God works. In fact, timing with God is always very unique. The Bible said it like this. The Bible said that a day is as a thousand and a thousand years is as a day. So if God says wait a day, he could be saying wait a thousand years. And that doesn't always fit with us because we are often so very uh, impatient. I'm glad to be joined by by Shelly today. I can't tell you how excited she is to stand up here. And uh, she would want me to clarify this, that she is not preaching. She's going to talk out of her heart. And we're going to do this together. Four years ago, we started doing this. Uh, on the first, the last Sunday of the first month of the year, uh, we sat down, if you were here four years ago at Antioch, we sat on the stage there and we talked about the kind of church that we wanted to pastor. And uh, we said that day we wanted to pastor a generational church. Uh, We wanted to pastor a church that loved sinners. And we wanted to be a church without walls. In other words, we wanted to be a church that was reaching beyond ourselves and connecting uh, with people uh, wherever they might be. And I went back and looked at the manuscript of those notes recently. And I wanted to just read you something that I said that day that is powerfully moving to me. Because I look at those words now in hindsight. I look behind me and realize what we said that day prophetically has come to pass. Listen to what I said that day. I said, we are the first church in history to have six living generations worshiping together. It's exciting, but it's also challenging because Lake Erie Church is a collection of young and old, differing ethnicities, even language. And yet we are all the family of God, and that makes this a very special church. The challenge is that I'm not sure that we see that. Now remember I said that four years ago. My perception is is that we too often are a church church Divided by our many different contexts. Race, politics, history, age, talent. And we don't yet see ourselves as one body. We sit in the same seats every week, but we never know the people who are sitting in the room with us. We engage with the same people, but we don't always appreciate the opportunity for ministry and connection among ourselves. That was four years ago. And we are a vastly changed church from that service four years ago. Now we sit here, white and black, brown, worshiping as one family. God has brought our church together by His Spirit. And I believe in some places we have even been healed of the past hurts. And we no longer see each other by the color of our skin, but simply by the blood of Jesus Christ Christ which makes us one. And in that context, in four short years, God has saved more than 200 people in our church. Come on. I don't want an opera applause. I want a glory be to God applause. Hey. 200, 200, people have made a decision to choose Jesus Christ as Savior. And in these four years, we have seen the growth of evangelism and new believers. And since that 2020 service, we have seen people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ in a, in a, in a pattern that I've never personally witnessed in my life. Now, did all of those people remain with the church? No. Did all of those people follow through and build a lifelong commitment of faith? No. But many did. And I look around the room week after week as I stand here and look across the congregation and I see lives that have been changed by the grace of God. I see people who week after week are being touched by God and growing in their faith and learning how to follow Jesus. I'm having conversations with people that excite me, that they are eager to know Him and to encounter Him. And every week, almost every week, since we moved into this building two years ago, we're seeing lost people come to Jesus almost every week. And it reminds me that God is trusting this church. You hear what I'm saying? God is trusting this church with people that do not yet know the Lord. The Holy Spirit is sending people to this house in order that they may experience Christ, that they may be able to see people like you who are living visible demonstrations of what happens in a person's life when they commit themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. There may be someone sitting here this morning that's wondering, what would it be like? I mean, you people are so excited Waving flags and dancing around and screaming and hollering and carrying on in a big way. What would that be like? And I think that what God does according to 1 Timothy chapter 1 is he points at people that you know who have a commitment to Christ and he says it's just like them. And you and I are those living, visible demonstrations. So while we have not accomplished everything that we said four years ago we wanted to do, we've done a lot. We've done a lot, and yet our hearts burn for the future that is still ahead of us. A few nights ago, I shared with our SLTs, and we'll ask them to put it up on the screen for you, seven things that are still going to be true at Lake Erie Church in 2024. We don't come this morning with a new vision, but we just come to remind you of things that are relevant still. In 2024, parents are still going to worry about their kids. Marriages are still going to be struggling, and we're going to be committed to that. Shelley and I are committed this year to making a strong push for strengthening marriages. The Bible is still going to need explanation. We're going to need teachers and communicators and people who stand on the stage that can explain and teach the Word of God, life group leaders and others who have the talent and ability to explain the Word of God. The poor are still going to be living among us. We must be a church without walls. We must be reaching... Billy Walter, Heather, and I have spent some time talking about what that looks like in this coming year. We must be a church that understands that coming together still matters. We live in a world that's going to be smaller. The connectivity of our world, the smallness of this world, is such a vital thing for us to keep in mind as we strategize how we are going to preach the gospel. I'm the son of a pastor, the grandson of a pastor, and I used to sit around in those churches as a teenager, and I would, I would hear preachers say that the Bible said that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness, and then the end will come. And I used to go, how in the world is that going to happen? How are you going to get to every person on the face of the earth? Hello, online church. Hello, Hello to Facebook and YouTube and the technology that has connected our world so that we literally are communicating with people, able to communicate with people. A few weeks ago, I taught a a leadership symposium to over 100 leaders in the Caribbean. All 18 islands connected in one session, and I taught them for several hours. That's how you're going to do it. God has opened up an opportunity in a world that is now smaller and more connected. Where from this place at Hubbard Road, people hear the gospel who live hours and hours and days and, and long periods away from us. The world is smaller and we need to know that. And then finally, the next generation was going to matter more. The next generations. We, we we've determined that generations are going to matter here at Lake Erie and we continue to live and preach, and program, and fund ministry to accentuate the idea that every generation matters from the youngest to the oldest, that we will be a church of generations, that we will understand that God is calling us to win and disciple and empower leadership and and disciples of Jesus of all the generations. So there's still a lot yet to be done, a lot of things that, that need to happen, and this is a great church, and we have accomplished much but there is still yet so much more that is in our heart that God wants us to be able to do. So you you would understand, I'm sure, that being married, two people being married that are in ministry together have a lot of conversations about ministry. Yep, we talk about you a lot, and we pray for you, and we worry over you, Someone said to me a while back, they were concerned about me, I suppose, and they said, are you sleeping all right? I said, no, I'm not. He said, why? I said, too many people in the bed. (laughs) But when we were putting this together, I said to Shelly, I said, Shelly, I want you to take a few minutes and talk about what God is saying to you about where we're going and what we need God to do among us. Now, Shelly needs no introduction to most of you, but for some of you, I need to tell you some very important things about my girl. She was raised right here in this church. She's a daughter. She's a daughter of this church, raised by a godly mother who prayed and loved the Lord She was discipled and nurtured by the faithful women of the church, many who still sit right here, Dolly Tyree, Candy Nichols, Stella Lingual, and and others and others. They discipled her and trained her, not realizing that they were training and discipling their future pastor's wife. The place of and position of pastor's wife was not one that Shelley chose. She just fell in love with an incredibly good-looking guy who happened to be a pastor. <laughs> Did I say that right?
1: Oh. I Dream, baby.
0: But I know what you don't know. That it has been a struggle at times for her to put her arms around this responsibility that God has given her. You know, even Jesus said one time, he said, a prophet is without honor in his own country. And so many times I, I, I worry sometimes that people just see her as little Shelly that uh, grew up, you know, here at Lake Erie. She's not little Shelly anymore. She is an anointed woman of God. A woman that prays over you and prays over our church. And because I live in the same house, I get the privilege to watch it. She's grown in her ability to lead and influence. And we've appreciated those of you that have prayed for her and supported her in that regard. I tell tell her all the time, good things are ahead for Shelly. Because I believe that Shelly lives under an anointing that's about to break out. So I've asked her to take the next few minutes now. Don't just just take your time.
1: Well, thank you for having me today to be your pastor's wife. Comes with such a humble, heartfelt expression that, in all honesty, sometimes is uh, overwhelming. Uh, most of you know. I moved away, was away for many, many years, about 17, and had my life, and was living life, and met Bill, and we still had our life, and we were living life, and I was attending another church, loved my church, actively involved, on staff, doing things, and we were asked to be the interim here. And uh, he said, yeah, let's do it. We, you know, our schedule is clear. We can do everything. So that's what we did. And one day as I was taking notes, because I had a notebook to pass over to the state overseer for the next pastor, we're driving down the interstate. And I said, I have the notebook to turn over to Bishop Martin for the next pastor. And he said, Hey, about that, let's have a talk. Sure not thinking. And by the way, I left my phone at home today that had all of my notes on it. So let's go with memory. Yay, me. Um, Anyways, we were just driving and he said, I think we can do both. And I said, you think we can do both? What does that even mean? You think we can do both? I think we can do both. The Lord has given me a love for this church. The Lord has given me a vision for this house for the next. And I looked at him and I said, "Really?" He said, "Yes. What do you think?" And I said, "Let me pray about it. Give me 3 days. Let me pray." So I prayed and I prayed. We came back together on that 3rd day, and he said, "What are your thoughts?" My thought was, "I like my life. I'm content over." I had no clue God was like messing my nest up for my next so i said you are the head of our house i submit to your authority because you're my spiritual authority if you say god has given you a vision for this house we'll do it we will walk arm in arm and we'll do it we did we joined arms hands. I remember the vision of just a little girl. I remember sitting on these pews. I remember the anointing flowing to where when I was a child, I didn't have to have explanation because I knew the power and demonstration of the real Holy Spirit. It was evident. Sister Dolly would sing and the glory would fall. I didn't need smoke and lights or anything. Those things are fine. I'm good with that. But I have Him numerous times, I want the authenticity, power, and demonstration of the Holy Spirit that we've never seen before. Many are new to this. Many don't know what that is. Some of them are just on their first journey with Jesus. They don't understand what a new revival or a last day revival looks like, but whatever that looks like, Lord, I beg, invade their space, whatever that looks like, so that we can have a true power and demonstration. Like I remember as a child, I don't want our young people to grow up without having an understanding, they need authenticity. They can get stuff from this world. And if we don't realize that as never before, there are things out there that are trying to steal our children as never. I see them in my class on Wednesday nights. I hear things, and I just look, and I say, Lord, give me your eyes to see, your wisdom, so I know how to lead and direct these children. So with that being said... I need, I want, I desire, not so much just I, but all of us collectively, a general revival of what that looks like to the unbeliever, that he invades their space, that it is undeniable that they've had an encounter with who he is, whatever that looks like, however he ministers to them. In our church, when we came here, um, we are in the process of building teams. We need that. Your pastor and your pastor's wife were two people. And as the church grows, we can't navigate it all. There are times that he and I are two ships passing in the night. He's like, hey, I'm going here. I'll meet you over here. Okay, I'm going here, so I'll meet you there. We need to build our teams. We need teams. We need people to rise up and catch the vision, run with it, and say, I've got it. We've got this. We've got this, pastor. Don't worry about this. Next, he asked me, he said, what are your dreams? Give me just a few of them. My next, and I don't like to talk about money at all. Um, When he starts to take the offering, he's even asked me before, hey, why don't you get up and take the offering? I break out in a sweat because it just makes me uncomfortable. But I know that God owns it all. It doesn't matter to him. I was praying, and I said, Lord, just give us enough to where we could just pay off this building and not worry about it. And I felt like the Lord said, why are you limiting me? Why don't you dream bigger? I hear the dreams that you say, Lord, let us get this fulfilled. So I said, okay, $12 million. $12 million, that's pretty good. I think we could do that. You own a lot. I, I know that that sounds like a lot. And I felt like in my spirit the Lord just said, flip it. And I said, flip it? And it's just the Lord and I talking. I'm actually talking to myself thinking, you know, Lord, flip it, really? And when I did, it was 21. And then I started studying a little bit about the number 21 and what it means. And I thought, Lord, be it according to your will. Let us be able to do this to where we would be able to finance the dreams, an educational institute here that we could pour into the lives of children Asking the Lord to also help us with people that will catch the vision, be able to run with the vision of the house, praying for individuals that will rise up that are mature leaders. And God is doing that. He has done so many amazing things. We've been having visitors that are coming and they're saying, hey, listen, I feel like I can help here. Where can I serve? What can I do? And I just looked at pastor the other day and I said, do you realize God is really answering our prayers? He is sending us people that can do things. Fantastic. Thank you, Shelly. Yeah,
0: exactly. Not bad for losing your phone. That's not bad. Let me, let's finish. Let me finish with this. Um, I, I have a passion, as some of the leaders in our church know, I want to raise up a generation of leaders, a young generation of leaders. You know, back there on the back where Elijah Shaw is sitting with his posse, is a young adult group that I want to disciple that group, and we are discipling them, and we are reaching young adults. I went by their class Wednesday night, their Bible study. There were 17 young adults with their Bibles open and the Word of the Lord being taught to them. And and I just stood in that doorway to pray, God, help us to empower leadership at every level of the church. Help us to raise up leaders in every level. We have an incredible elder team both younger and older and we have departmental leaders and ministry leaders that serve in our church in fact I want all the SLTs if you would just stand up all over the room all of the leaders of our SLT would you just stand up all over the room because these are people that are helping us to carry the burden uh, for our church and these are not all of them but we have 22 of them thank you and and we want to empower leadership I I have a passion to empower leaders And, and I would say to you in response to what you're saying to me, well, I'm not a leader. Well, everybody in the room isn't a leader, but a lot of you are. But you lack the courage and the confidence to step into that leadership, to step into that place and determine that you want to be somebody God can use. And maybe you're afraid of failure or maybe you're afraid that you won't measure up or because you compare yourself to someone else. And I'm asking you somehow by God's grace to lay that down. Because we don't need duplications of other leaders. We need fresh new leaders that God is raising up in our church to help us carry the message of Jesus Christ to lost people. And I I pray, I'm praying that as as a result of these services and future services that you're going to walk up to me or walk up to Shelly and say, listen, I'm not exactly sure what God's doing, but I feel the Lord tugging me or leading me to step forward and I want to be a leader. I want to be involved in what you're doing. You know, I was walking out that Wednesday night, we had 51 students in the room in the building in our various age group classes. And I was so excited, one of the larger, larger groups that we've had. And I went by, and in one of the vacant rooms upstairs, there are four little girls. They are eight, six, eleven, And maybe another six-year-old there. They are the children of volunteers who are working in our student ministry. And I said, God, I need a teacher for that group right there. I need a teacher. I need some man, some woman, some couple that will feel the tug of God that's in my heart and step up and say, hey, I'll come and give you an hour on Wednesday night. I'll teach little hearts how to believe in God. I'll make it fun. I'll teach them how. And you say, well, I don't know that much about it. We can teach you how to do that. I just need somebody who will accept that and become a leader in that ministry. Very, very important for me that we find somebody for that particular group. I want to empower leadership at every level. I'll tell you something else I want to do. I want to disciple people who have chosen to follow Jesus. And this year is going to be a year of discipleship. We're going to to disciple people. And we, you already see some of the things that we're doing. We gave all of you the free subscription to Right Now Media, one, uh, an outstanding resource for your home. You can, you can watch stuff with your family, with your children that will disciple them to be followers of Jesus, that will disciple you to be followers of Jesus. You can study the Bible. You can the, the videos are high-quality, sharp videos. In addition to that, we have the ability to customize that, and we're gonna be putting some of our content. In fact, right now, Shane Jones is putting the Revelation series that Tracy Vest and I taught a couple of years ago right into Right Now Media, so you can go back and watch the nine weeks of the teaching that we did during the COVID season on Revelation. And we're gonna customize that because we wanna disciple everybody. We're gonna be having Growth Track this year. At some point, we'll announce that we're gonna open up Growth Track because we want you to encounter God. Uh, discover your purpose, and make a difference with your life. And we're going to try to put everybody at Lake Erie through a growth track so that when you come out on the other side, you're ready to do something mighty for the Lord because we want to disciple people to do that. Why would we do that? Because it's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. Jesus said this, go in all the world, preach the gospel. Make disciples of every man, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We want to disciple everyone that we can. I want... I want these kids right here to grow up to know God, not only to know who He is, but to know what He means to them. I want the children back there in those back classrooms, I want them to know who He is. And I want them to know how much He loves them. And we're going to do everything that we can for every generation to disciple a whole generation for the Lord Jesus Christ to be followers of the Lord. One more thing, and then we're done. It's nine weeks to Easter. In nine weeks, it'll be Easter Sunday. This year for Easter Sunday, we are announcing that we're going to try to have the largest turnout for Easter that we've had since I've been your pastor. We're believing for 600 adults in the building and 100 children in kids' church. And we're going to believe God that day for God to save 100 people on Easter Sunday. Anybody with me? Come on. A hundred people for Jesus on Easter Sunday. There are two days of the year when people that don't know Jesus go to church. Easter, Christmas. They'll go on those days. 81% of people say you invite me to go to your church, I'll go. If you invite me, I'll go. And we're going to ask every person, all of you, every person in our church to identify. Pray about it. I want you to start praying right now. Identify that one person in your life that does not know Jesus that you can bring to church on Easter Sunday. We're going to have two services, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. And we're going to fill up the house. We're believing for 600 adults that are going to be in the building. And we're going to have church to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to believe God to save 100 people that Sunday morning. Anybody believe God can do that? Come on. Woo. So I've told you this before, so you'll know this. I have some really great spiritual moments at Giant Eagle. You buy groceries there, I go to encounter him. Shelly gave me a grocery list the other night, and I headed up there about closing time. Not very many people in the store, which was good and i was praying cuz i've been going through something just something been going on and i said to god i'm walking out of this in the name of jesus and the holy spirit fell on me right there in that parking lot and and i just began to worship god and i could tell people were looking what i just i just let it roll I got louder and louder, and I began to give God glory and honor, and I began to say to God, God, I know you can save 100 people on Easter. Because I read in my Bible in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved in one day. 3,000 people got saved in one day. By the time you get to Acts chapter 4, the Bible said the number has swelled to 5,000, so 2,000 more had gotten saved since the day of Pentecost." I know a preacher that went to India, and was on a crusade over there. Seventy-five thousand people that week came to know the Lord Jesus as a result of that revival that they were having in India. All I'm asking God for is a hundred, a hundred people that God would save. A hundred people. You know that we're talking about your brother, your neighbor, your uncle, your aunt, your mom, your dad, your best friend, somebody that God puts on your heart, and you're going to you're going to be committed. To bringing them with you on that day. And we're going to sing about Jesus. We're going to preach about Jesus. And we're going to believe that God is going to save 100 people on Easter Sunday. Anybody with me on that? Anybody on board? Anybody believe God can do that? Anybody whose faith is strong enough to say God... You can save my dad. You can save my mom. You can save my family. I believe that God is going to do a 100 people for Jesus Christ. Woo, hallelujah. And it's not about a number. I don't care if God saves 143. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying, God, I want this to be a place of redemption on that Sunday morning. I want it from the guys that are going to volunteer to be in the parking lot. I want them to be so prayed up that they're literally praying as the cars come in. God, there are people in these cars that you're going to save today. The greeters are not just going to be greeters. They're going to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've appointed a committee. There's a team of people that are going to organize. I think they start meeting tomorrow, and they're going to be organizing. They're going to come looking for you. They're going to be asking you to volunteer to be on that. Now, listen, we're not asking you to do a job. We're asking you to help us create an environment where 100 people can find the Lord Jesus. Anybody want to be a part of that kind of movement? Anybody want to be able to say, God, I'll volunteer so that 100 people can come and find the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, there isn't anything that is too hard for God. And a hundred people is a hundred people, but the hundred people might be. It might be the children of one of our elders who constantly reminds me, I'm praying for my boys. Pastor, pray with me about my boys. That's Those are the people I'm talking about. It doesn't matter to me who God saves. But I'm just saying, I want this church to be representatives of Christ. And I want you to start praying right now. Because in a couple of weeks, I'm going to ask you for the name. And a prayer team will start praying over those names. Fasting and praying. Listen, we've been fasting for three weeks. And I've been fasting and praying and believing God that on Easter Sunday, we're going to blow this place up for the glory of God. We're going to see the hand of God work. We're going to see God's hand move in powerful ways. Not only are people going to be saved, but I'm believing God for miracles that day. Miracles of healing and deliverance and restorations, relationships that have been broken, marriages that are in trouble are going to be touched. That day, we're going to believe God for mighty things. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Now, we invite you to visit one of our services soon. For more information, please visit us at lakeerichurch.com.